Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh yeah, we haven't done a mini since October together face-to-face. Face-to-face. But we're just knocking them out. Hello, this is For the Girls Hi, this is For the Girls Podcast. I'm Nick Westrate. I'm Jason Black. Uh, This is a podcast about uh, queer people and their fandom of uh, divas, of iconic female performers. Yeah, this is a podcast uh, that was started because we were fans of Bette Midler and... Uh, we wanted to reach out and meet other fans and just celebrate um, iconic female performers. Yeah, and celebrate fandom and how, how much these these women have helped queer people, and especially young queer people, kind of navigate their emotional lives when they're young and um, kind of give them someone to look up to. It's an inspirational podcast. It's an inspirational podcast, a card for... full of easy listening. Mm. Um, and we're really doing a moldy oldie right now for the kids. <laughs> we're doing our favorite. This is our white our, album. This is our white album. This is our shared favorite album. I don't think this is either of ours technical. I think we actually have the number. Our, 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 we're doing a Bette Midler album. Duh, this is our first. Children. This is also our first Bette Midler episode since the, the pilot. Yes, and we brought it back. Yeah, and we're and we're really we're coming out the gate. Strong with our shared favorite album. Sh- I think it's our favorite album that we share, but it's not our favorite bed album. That's correct. Right? Yeah, it's it's just an it's an album that it was the first album to come out after we became fans that we got to go to the record store and buy. Ninety five in nineteen ninety five. Ninety five, we went and bought the cassette, the cassette of Bet of Roses, which is her nineteen ninety five album, because <laughs> it, it came out in nineteen ninety five. And um, we, y'all, we're we're coasting on energy right now. Um, I'm just easy listening <laughs> energy. <laughs> so if this isn't going to be that spiky, listen to the album, and you know why? Because it is kind of a it's a loungy album, all ballads. Yeah, it's a bunch it's of, eleven. If you ballads. don't like that ballads, then well, stop listening to this podcast and die. <laughs> um, but if you do. But it's an, an interesting album because it's one that I think only real, real Bet fans know really well. So not, and not even like no. that album. Like if you if you were people that do love Bette Midler, they'll be, they'll talk about her earlier albums or her disco album Thighs and Whispers to me. They'll talk about Beaches. I actually don't even. I I rarely. In fact, when we've told people we're doing uh, Bed of Roses, they kind of are like. What? what really? Really? It's so funny because I love it so much. But it's really... nostalgic, right? We're, we we are coming it, it from is... a, a deep, deep, deep place of like beautiful um, nostalgia. Nostalgia. I mean, this whole podcast is about nostalgia. Fuck. Just musty nostalgia. Something beautiful that happened when we started this podcast was after the first episode where we talked about Bet. And if you're just tuning in now, go back. We talk about our origin story with Bet Midler and kind of do a more comprehensive covering of her career. But um. So many people said to me after that episode, they said, oh, gosh, I really want to listen to more Bette Midler. And I like got a lot of Bette stuff on my <laughs> Spotify, which makes me very happy. So this will maybe give you some really emotional music to listen to in the bathtub. Yeah, sure. Um, 
Yeah, it, just, it is when you're saying that, I'm like, oh, well, this is funny that then this is our first Bette Midler album. Because this wouldn't be the first one I would incur. I, w- I would not start no. necessarily with this album. Like, uh, there's there's a couple more that I would I kind of ease you, e- ease you into. But for Nick and I, we've never not played this album in full when we're together. Yeah, we always listen to it in full. Because we were, we were really at the beginning of our fandom, this long fandom that we've had our whole lives. And this record came out and we got to discover it in real time together these songs and we would listen to it everywhere and she's not bet doesn't have a prolific music career she sometimes takes years off she took almost a whole decade off between her no frills album in 83 and then she did a couple movie albums um Mm -hmm. one in 89 with peaches um for the boys, and then and then, in, one, and then she'd made Some People's Lives, which was her which next was 19, studio well, yeah, album. That was, and that was 1990, right? 90, yeah. So it was seven years off. Um, but yeah, she's not as much a studio musician. as a. Li- she's really known as a live performer. In this, and she has these great concert albums and these great movie albums. But the studio albums come fewer and farther between when you get into the 80s and 90s and 2000s. And so, okay, so let's take it back. So I was 10. I was looking gorgeous. And I was about 12. You were I about was in, 12. I was in like sixth grade when this came out. And the internet had just started. Uh-huh. A lot of things were just starting, uh, kind of changing. And we were just holding on to this Bette Midler record to save our lives. And we would, Nick bought it on cassette and he had these really strange computer speakers that you would carry mm-hmm. around. They're like, they were mobile. They were mobile. We so it was you could, so wild. And so you could take your Walkman and you could plug in these little computer speakers and get to the back of like either my mom's minivan or our friend Robbie's mom's station wagon and head to the beach. We would head to the beach all summer. It's like summer, no one told us we summer. could get a boombox. <laughs> yeah, we were like, We were like, okay, no, but this is our DIY. Well, we also didn't have – we didn't grow up with like a lot of money either. So it wasn't like we – it was like whatever was left over from like my sister or from like our parents or something. We would kind of take that and make do. Make it work. And so we would listen to this and we lived kind of about an hour from the beach at Lake Michigan where we would spend a lot of our time in the summers. And this first song on this record um, is called I Know This Town. And this song makes me think of driving to the beach every time. Uh, yeah. And it captures uh, us and probably so many lives. It cap- but it's a whole, a whole song about... Uh, knowing every corner of it. And at that time, not only would we go to the beach, but we would ride our bike. Literally, the song starts off about riding their bikes, and that's what we would do. Our parents would just let us get on bikes and just go through every crevice. I grew up in, a, in an actual town. It was a village. Very small town, USA, in Michigan. Ooh, small. But we would ride everywhere and kind of just like take in this like this tiny town on our bikes. And so this is... And this is such a... This song, is a, this song is a fucking bop. Yep. It's so... Uh, bouncy and up and happy in such a fun way to start this album. I love it.
but she fills me with life. <laughs> it was also like she's in this character as like a kid, you know, like this girl in a small town. I mean, it's really evocative of our youth, and we were literally in the middle of it. Yeah, sun kissed. Everything she was saying, we were that was that was our summers. That's we entertained ourselves outside. And here's that opening this album with this. It's kind of a has a it has a country. Is it a definite country vibe? It. You always, you refer to this album as her Bonnie Raitt. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it is. She had done. She really leaned into this kind of like a you know light FM adult contemporary with um, some people's lives. Yeah. Bet albums, what people associate Bet albums with is an eclectic taste. She does Broadway and then she does jazz. Um, she has a big band number yeah. and then usually like a, like a really aggressive rock number, but it's a mixture of stuff. This album that's so amazing about it, it's very cohesive. In and it's terms really one of, of her only albums yeah. that has this, this cohesion where she doesn't add any other genres. They're all pretty contemporary songs. They're all contemporary songs. It's all adult contemporary pop music. And all has this like really kind of specific, like of this era, contemporary kind of um, um, orchestrations to it and mm-hmm. arrangements to it. She says, she talks about how she called 500 songs to get th- these songs. She had just come off the road and doing her, she was doing a tour of uh, Experience the Divine, which was her greatest hits. And she did that tour for two years. She was on the road with that around the States, culminating in the Radio City Musical Show, which she did, you know, and set all sorts of records with and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of, that's the other thing about this album too, is she's at the height of her powers. She really like, she also came off doing Gypsy, the television musical uh, Gypsy, for which she extensively trained vocally. And so for me, it's just like a really great vocal album. And she does stuff on this record vocally that I've never heard her do before or since. So she listened to five, 500 songs and she calls this her mom, her, her album for moms. This is the music mm-hmm. for moms that she said. And, she calls and it, it mom rock. Mom rock. And it really... It, it, it really is. There's a lot of... And you and I were talking about this in preparation for this, about how um, women's music, and especially when uh, women do like kind of more ballads or sentimental songs, it gets kind of shelved as not important music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's put into these, this section at the uh, record store that I always kind of resent called Easy Listening, mm-hmm. because which this album was like the queen of. Yeah, I mean, we didn't know anything, but Bet was in the Easy Listening section, mm-hmm. which was a small, small section in right. all of the record stores that you would have to like literally search out. But which is crazy because she's a pop artist, but because at the time her age and because it was ballads and because she wasn't. I don't know who was the biggest pop artist in the mid-90s. Madonna. Seal. Because she wasn't Seal or Madonna, she was, she was relegated to the side, and I don't like that. I don't like because music is seen as, okay, so what is this album? It's emotional. It's sung by a woman at the age of 50. The music is um, soft and sweet and sometimes very kind, but also challenging. But that is considered to be not serious or not as important as rock and roll or things that are made by men. And yeah, that rock is off. rock and roll is men, and then anything else that deviates from that is is an Anne Murray disaster. You know, right? Um, but I will say, like, I'm going to take another. I'm going to take another lane and say that I also think it's okay to like acknowledge that Bet is like sappy. And corny, and like, mm-hmm. and the uh, and the um, arrangements um, are a little bit drippy. But embrace that. Like, I don't think that that makes that bad music. I think you can hold. I always talk about holding two things in 
in your hands. I think you can also hold that there's that reality and that this is good and that it like can mm-hmm. be seen from this like like this kind of mom rock wonderful place. Like I don't th- I don't also have have to see that those are are separate or that she does sing like about these big ballads about love on this album. Um, you know. But it's the thing I like too is it's it's different kinds of she sings about different facets of love or different ways of love. Okay, so the next two songs, the next, the second track is called In This Life, um, which is a ballad, which is one of the only two singles from the album that she released. And then there's a song called Bottomless. Um, and then uh, the track after Bottomless is called To Comfort You, which is one of my favorite tracks. And it's, it's about a particular, it actually took me years to understand what the song is about, but it's about this idea that when your partner or whoever you're in love with is going through a bad time, mm-hmm. sometimes you can't fix it and you just have to sit in the uncomfortableness of it. And this song is sexy and jazzy and has electric guitar and she sounds so fucking awesome on it. And we also got to see her do this live in the first live uh, concert she did once we became fans, which was called Diva Las Vegas, which was on HBO in 1997. And it's just an incredible performance. You've been down in the dumps It seems like forever Now what have they done to you? Not a single thing's turned out the way to you You don't know for the life of you what is missing or why it always happens to you And you don't like yourself You feel nobody's listening You don't need another Sure, it was deep. I remember listening to it when we first got this tape and being like, I don't understand this song. Also because, um, and I did, obviously, I didn't, I mean, I didn't get this, and like you said, until kind of later, but I remember my movement teacher uh, for acting school said, uh, when, we were, when we were talking about like expressing emotion and we were crying, or when, you, when someone cries, everyone wants to hug them and stop it. Mm-hmm. Their instinct is to like stop that emotion as opposed to just like, allowing you to experience and to me that's 
that's a way of comforting someone. Mm -hmm. Like I don't need to be anything else but just kind of present for you when you're suffering. Yeah. And uh, I think that's beautiful. And it was also deeply iconic to me that... (laughs) This was supposed to be our light bop. It was also really amazing. It was also really amazing to me that the next track is called To Deserve You. And that it was to comfort you and to deserve you right in a row. Like, Like, what's the choice making? And let me tell you, To Deserve You was the biggest hit from this record. It also had a video, which was the first ever Bette Midler video I'd ever seen. And I was freaking out. Yeah, she didn't... Yeah. She I was, didn't really have videos. I mean, she had a video for From a Distance and for When Beneath My Wings, but we just didn't... I just them. didn't see them. We didn't, we, because we, we didn't, didn't have, have YouTube back then, and so you couldn't... Yeah. And, and, we, and I remember, like, our busted asses would have cable and not cable so inconsistently that yeah. we, it was really hard to... You definitely... I never had cable. You couldn't so get so cable I didn't in MTV, that farm. But it also wasn't house. like MTV was fucking replaying <laughs> the When Beneath My Wings. <laughs> 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 VH1 fucked with some bad shit, though. But VH1 like, that did like to feature some bad. We didn't get onto that until, like, a couple years later. We're like, oh, VH1's for the mom. And the gays, like that's yeah, where you VH1 go. has always been deeply for the gays. Oh, she doesn't have that many music videos. She was not an iconic music video <laughs> she artist. Was not, but the music video for this next song, "To Deserve You," she's in this kind of white dress that looks like it's made of feathers, and she's has iconic kind of platinum white hair that she has on the cover of this Super album. Super curly Goldilocks. Go like, to our Instagram. We'll show you. And there were all these. Pa- there's all this paper burning on like hooks. It's really bizarre. But it's a great song, and she also did a lot of remixes of this song and released a whole album of this song's remixes because it went really big in like the U- the European dance. Charts. Well, yeah, they they released it and they realized that they could maybe have a dance it on on there. So Arif Meriden, I always get so nervous saying his name, uh, quickly remixed it, and then Nick got all of the remixes. I remember being like. Why are we going to listen to so many different... I still don't understand remixes. Like when people like remix a song like a hundred times. I'm like, I don't get this. But the fact that Beth had that made me feel like she was cool and important and current. Probably our first, maybe only time we bought like just an entire album of one song remixes. This is like Beth's Believe.
you know, I've heard her like have a kind of interesting take on this. That she, she, it's kind of to her fans, like she she wants to be able. You know, she doesn't know if she deserves. Yeah, you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that. Like I, you know, I see so many golden women when they walk their feet, don't touch the ground. How I want, how I want. Yeah. To be that woman for you. To be that diva for us. Yeah, that diva. Um, so it's kind of like a fan service, and it's just—it's a really epic. The whole song is just super, super epic. It is. It's it's epic. It's so dramatic. I love its high drama, and it's re—it's like the most. Well, all of the songs in this album are dramatic, but I think it might be the most dramatic. It's the biggest production number that she has, besides I think the next song we're going to talk about. Oh yeah, this has a pretty the, so pro- the, the next- production on here. Like we were saying, it's really consistent, and it's really where her voice is really centered. Like it's a mm-hmm. very like her voice is like some of the clearest I've had I it's- have on record. But the next song we're gonna play is, um, I mean, this really shows off uh, her voice in such an incredible way, and how. And I'm not a singer, but I'm gonna use a bunch of singer terms right now. How she explores her head voice into her belt in this is really incredible. And she floats into this kind of crazy falsetto and it's so beautiful. And it's such a banger. This is like the big banger on the album. It's called The Last Time and it's about... It's it, you. It, you can do like a shitty read on this song because it is. So it is. There is like some something semi problematic where she's like, "You keep beating me up, but let this be the last time because I love you so much." Yeah. But it's so funny that that sentiment that she just rocks out to. Yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I love that that kind of juxtaposition. It's I, to me, it's her walking on broken glass. It uh, is her walking song. on broken. It's so funny you say that because I. Always, I listen to it to kind of strut through the city. Yeah, it's, it's a like, strut song. It's on like my strut. It's on like I need to feel like a powerful bitch walking through Manhattan's playlist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though it's about uh, slight domestic disturbances. <laughs> is it, or is it just and, about someone who's like like cheating on her? Or, you know, lying or well, breaking be, trust? I think it probably is about an exciting love. You know, it's like it's about a, a love that's like super exciting, that's volatile. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know... Uh, this love is is crazy, but like I, I I love you so much, but you have to know like this this shit has to end. Let this be the last time. Let this be the last time. Ooh. Let this be the last time. Let this be the last time.
just like a lot of really interesting vocal layering, which she doesn't always mm-hmm. do from this song. And yeah, yeah, she does her head. She does this like really crazy head voice belting that she never does again. <laughs> and again, know about this. And actually, she's never sang that song live, which really bums me. Yeah, out. Like, it's really hard. Yeah, so it's pretty much the only time she. It's I, it's kind of interesting to think about it because it's like the only time that she does like a full full on rock song on this album. I don't think she does one in any of the other subsequent albums. Not no. like not like fully down the lane of rock, mm-hmm. where it's like the guitars and the drums are are all at play. This yeah. is kind of it. Her, this yeah. is the song that we have, and Nick and I loved her rock like that's the song that got us so excited yeah like the stuff in the rose and the stuff in divine madness Mm -hmm. and like when she really rocks it out is when we live and that's what i live for on this album yeah she's just we must have just rewound that damn tape it's so funny though because you know she gets she got read a lot in her early career in the 70s for screaming too much Mm -hmm. for like getting this like intense vocal where she kind of screams and she does that a lot in the rose and she kind of perfects it in the rose and divine madness but this is, I always think of this song as a response to that, where she's like, you want to hear me belt now, motherfuckers? Mm-hmm. You know, and she's, sounds so fucking good. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's also, I think, a really interesting, like, again, this album's, no one talks about this album. No one thinks this is her best one. I'm just kind of thinking about, uh, like, this is like our test of defending this fandom and, and working to, like, um... Uh, illuminate why this album is so important. I don't think anyone dislikes it, though. I just don't think it was popular. I don't think yeah, it was a success, the, yeah, which isn't the same a, as not being good. Right. It's not disliked. It's just right. not... It's just, like, not iconic in her with her in other her albums. Canon. But you know canon. my other favorite album is just like this, which is called No Frills, which is her album from 1983. Mm-hmm. And it's also very cohesive. It's kind of her 80s. It's super, super 80s album. Yeah, synthy album. Very synthy. It's so great, though. But it also came after a big stint of vocal training for The Rose. It's her album after The Rose and Divine Madness. And she sounds just so fucking great on it. Right. Check that one out, too. We'll do, I mean, I'm sure we'll do an iconic episode about No Frills. I'm just more celebrating the fact that we get to just fangirl, like, fangirl out and, like, try and be, like, somewhat coherent on, like, you know... On an album that means so much to us. Right. Like but defending like, your life. It doesn't have cultural significance, you know. Right. Yeah, defend yeah, like how to defend for your life. Like like we're on some debate and we get like the really weird esoteric thing where like, watch us, bitch. Like we know Bed of Roses. We know our us and Bed of Roses. But yeah, we're winding that tape to listen to Let This Be the Last Time. Must have just been our thing. I just Oh yeah. What was the first that. track on no, it was the last track on side one. Yeah. So actually one you really had to do some rewinding for. Okay, so the next song is called Bed of Roses, which we Uh-oh. played in our first episode, in our pilot episode. So go on back, hit the download button on that first episode. It's Jason's, one of Jason's all-time favorite songs. It's also, I don't know why I'm doing this, I don't care. It's also Jason's cry cue, like, Jason really loves this song. Jason's not going to say Jason's name anymore. He's just going to talk as himself. But yeah, listen to that. Um it's a Let's great bop. Talk about it. I love it. It's 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 probably her most depressing bop in the record too. That's true. Um, yeah, that is true. It that is, is really, true. Is she really like kind of like throws down like every like everything is like kind of about love or and some of it is like maybe not about the best love. Uh, but this one is just straight up like the lyrics are just fully depressing and it's about like truly giving up. Yeah. But she also still sings it in this like adult contemporary way that's a, that you almost can glide past like 
the message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and that is something with some of these songs that because she her voice is so sweet and the delivery is so silver. This is so childhood of the ice cream truck coming by during this recording. <laughs> I so know. I hope you all. Y'all, we didn't add that that. in there, but, like, that was something we did as kids. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) We rode bikes. We ate from the ice cream truck. We had an original. (laughs) We were going to write a book on how strange our childhood was. Then... The perfect, the perfect kiss. kiss, which is a lyrical <laughs> mystery to me, and kind Nick of will get in his feelings. <laughs> no, it was like two years ago, three years ago. There's only was usually when you fully got in your feelings, and you're like, "Tell me what the song is about." What I was, super, what is the mystery? I was super stoned on marijuana on the subway in New York City. I was on the C train, and I was listening to it on repeat. And I could not figure it out. And I just started texting you. I was like, "What the fuck is the perfect kiss about? Is the person she's in love with dead?" And you were like, "Yes." Yes, I knew that. I know that much. <laughs> but then she also like refers at some point as like that they're complete strangers. So you're like, okay, you missed some the man that died because he's up there and you're down here. But you're also a perfect stranger waiting to cross that great abyss. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but you're also like your two kittens <laughs> tied up like a sock and hat. Oh my gosh, that fucking riff. Okay, wait. We're ju- I just have to play this part where she just does this riff. It's not going to help you all understand the song anymore, but you're just going to have to listen to it on Spotify a bunch when you're high, and that'll get you there. All the signs that point at home Turn their backs the more I roamed And walked where love would never call my name So let me take you to the train Softer than the rain We're all alone to alley cats Curled up like a scarf and hat Who knows how it came to this I don't know you and you don't know me But sometimes strangers cross that great abyss Also, like, what is what are angels dreaming? The perfect kiss, like, that's that's I love that. That's what angels are doing, like, just really waiting for that well, she's a calm moment. Between I mean, two I people. think it's like it's about someone who's like law as a widow. It's her widow song, and she's like, <laughs> yeah. Nick calls this her straight up widow song, which is uh, iconic. Well, everyone she, needs a widow song. <laughs> she loves just to in do because she still does. And who is it that always talks about how she has to find the character of a song? 
Arif Martin always talks about how who's her longtime producer and who also produced the Aretha Franklin documentary we talked about a few episodes ago. Um, always talks about how she takes a long time to record because she's always trying to find the character in the song. And I think the character in the song is like, yeah, she's lost the love of her life and she's kind of waiting for angels to bring them back together. See, this album is also strangely Christian in some way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's country. We talked about that. It, like she really does. And she like a lot of these songs actually are original country songs. Um, I, this one isn't. But um, we saw her sing that live in 2003. Yep. Yeah, in the Kiss My Brass and, tour. And Kiss My Brass tour. She And like, you know, th- like again, like this album really like isn't huge in her catalog. We were kind of shocked that she would even even like bring this track up and she kind of introduces it with like she loves like an evocative song, which I think is a great way of like, it is evocative, but of what? It's a mystery. <laughs> like it right. definitely is like romantic and, and, and beautiful and mysterious. And I think, actually I think that's why she's really drawn to it is that like you can kind of reinterpret the song over and over again or like never get it and keep listening to it the way that Nick does. Um, <laughs> Just not getting it at all. But it's but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a it's a beautiful little ballad bop. Next track on the record is called "As Dreams Go By." And man, this is syrup. This is this is a big maple syrup on a delicious pillow of pancakes, <laughs> uh, eating off your lover's tummy as you roll around in your white linen sheets, um, being sun kissed. I mean, it really could be on a Charmin toilet roll commercial. Yeah, I mean, this is just so like this is just to me so '90s personified. This kind of like. And and to deserve you is a really big production, but this is also like a big ass production uh, with choral arrangements. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I love his dreams go by actually I think that this song is about again you're, you're um, eating triscuits on your white linen sheets with your su- supple bodies 
lovers. <laughs> and you just have that moment where uh, you you confess all of the, you know, that like beautiful big moment that I don't know that's never happened for me. Um, uh, where someone just is like, stay with me forever. Like, I, you know, as our, you know, I want to dream, I want to dream with you. And, mm. and I want, I want to make this permanent. I think mm. that's like a really fantastic and exciting, you know, feeling that I've never <laughs> felt. Yours is more like... I always say this. I always, I'm, I'm, I'm always the single bunny on this damn episode. Whatever, it's true. <laughs> um, it, also was making me make, it was also making me think of um, I Don't Want the Night to End, which is a song of hers oh, from yeah. an album in the 70s. Right. But there's this, which is, is this, but this is kind of the grown like, up version of that. Yeah, it's kind of like that one night stand, but it turned into a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, like you make me, you still make me feel youthful and crazy. Or also, the but feelings let's on make this it permanent. But the feelings on this album are so huge. You know, it's like, yeah, it you really, know, I wanted everything about this album is eternal. You know, it's either about like heaven or like forever marriage. It's ridiculous. Or, I love it. Yeah, it's, it's so silly. And that's kind of you know, it's but it's a but it's light bops. I mean, I, we're acting like very deep about it, but it is. It moves and it grooves along in this mm-hmm. like. In a kind of an uplifting way. Again, back to the arrangements. The arrangements are kind of all, all light and uplifting and, mm-hmm. and sonically cohesive. Yeah. The songs really do have a flowing in and out of each other that's like super, super delightful for these faggots ears. Okay, but then the next... that And then... So she, so really she only goes super dark or super kind of um, melancholic on, on two tracks, which was Bed of Roses, in which and she this, yeah. really is like, lay me down in a bed of roses. Yeah, and this next one, which is called It's, it's Too Late. Which is like just, oh, we love this song. I would love this song. It's just a, it's, it is the breakup song right. on this record, and it is so fucking sad and gorgeous. No use going on No It's too late, too late. Now 
does that little lick, that little yodel, that catch in her voice that she has on You Don't Live Here Anymore, that can just jab me in the heart. Because it's just, that's that expressing pain and pathos. And I just think she does it like no one else can. It's like she does sound broken when she sings that and she lets her voice break on it. And it just gets me every fucking time. Ugh. Yeah, it's, I like, you know, because that, what we're definitely playing for you is that section where she says, you know, should I stand in front of your door? I don't know if we're, you don't live here anymore. I love that idea that, it, like, you're kind of dealing with memories, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and regret in those memories and kind of like that, you know, that thing. Like, I remember going back to New York for the first time after a couple of years of living away from there and, and just seeing little glimpses of my life and... And it was really beautiful, but it was also heartbreaking at the same time. Like, mm. just little moments of like, oh, like, I'm at this person's door. They don't even live here. Like, our, right. life, has, our life has moved on and changed, but this door still exists. What, what do I do? You know, I can't fix this memory. This is her Adele album. Yes. Or her, like, Celine Dion album. Yeah. The, yes. I mean, this is in that... This is the era of this Celine. This is fully in that, like, that, that vein. I do think she, like, kind of leans... Well, and Adele leans into Bonnie, Bonnie Raitt, too. I do think this is, yeah, like, her kind of... And, like, like we said, like, all of her other albums, she kind of reverts back to her, her taste, which is kind of eclectic and... Mm-hmm. Um, more jazzy, really. That's like Pocket, I think, that she really loves is to sing like a kind of fun, up-tempo jazz number. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, this was definitely her like attempt to be this kind of like... She, she had just turned... She was about ready to turn 50. Mm-hmm. So she was really leaning into the, her contemporary woman status and... We're just yeah, so and she'd just come it. off, and she'd come off these the two biggest ballads of the last ten, two of the biggest ballads of the last ten years with "Wind Beneath My Wings" and "From a Distance," mm-hmm. and then we get this whole album of ballads, of big ballads, of brand new ballads, and my little gay heart was so it just burst that I got to listen to this all the time. Yeah, and and I think what also makes it super special for us is. We, you know, this was like uh, 95 and we were really new in our fandom. But then after that was the first wife club and she was getting like totally celebrated and it was like totally awesome. And we saw that opening night. We drug like five of our friends there too. Mm -hmm. I remember like our mom coming and it was like this like huge event, which in hindsight was probably strange for everyone involved. Yeah. Uh, but, But it was so great and everyone loved it. Um, and then, and then the thing is, like the true thing is, is that we kind of got older, and just kind of were figuring out our other tastes. Mm-hmm. And Beth's next album was 1998, and I remember like us getting it, and not like we had our fan, our fandom hadn't waned, but we were just kind of understanding other things in the world. Like we we, right. we we were kind of branching out at that time. Also, like we were getting more aware of our sexuality, and I think like. You know, 95 and 96, I didn't know that boys didn't listen to Bette Midler. Yeah. 98, I did. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like... Yeah, I had moved this, on to, like, the Counting Crows and the Foo Fighters and the Smashing Pumpkins. Or definitely and talk... That's what you would talk about. Right. That's what you would be open about. Like, yeah. I remember for a certain amount of my time keeping my um, Bette Midler obsession hidden. Mm-hmm. You know, just because, like, no one else was having that and I, I was I, mean, I would always I was already being asked every day if I was gay so like 
right walking around with with a Bette Midler t-shirt on wasn't going to help things yeah so this so this was kind of our one of my pure pure memories of being a fan of Bette Midler this was like a just a pure and an innocent and a and a beautiful moment before kind of the ugly crept into in in right. for me the fear the fear and yeah. the and they're like, I can't really celebrate this person out loud. Yeah. Thankfully, yeah. it was short-lived for both of us because we got our asses out of that that small town. Yeah. And got to go to an art school and where we got to love whatever we wanted to very openly. So we're very privileged in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, also, speaking of, speaking of like that fear and whatever, I know like, so the last track on this album is, which we'll go out on, is I think the most country track. It um, actually is a country. It's like an old, like an old seventies country track. Yeah, which kind of updated the lyrics on. Yeah, Mark yeah. Shaman updated the lyrics on, <laughs> or, or Scott Whitman, or who, one of her great arrangers and stuff. But she, um, I would always sometimes think that she because it's called "I Believe in You," and I would sometimes think that she was singing to me. Yeah, and it was like a comforting thing for me that she was giving me confidence and. It's a real kind of liberal song too, like a kind yeah. of mom, like a, a mom that you would kind of want to be around, mm-hmm. you know, that like kind of maybe promotes some like more leftist ideas. Yeah, yeah. It's such a it's it's such a it's a cute song. It's not my favorite. Obviously, the last time is my favorite, but um, I am so proud of all of you, Battle Angels, for putting up with this nonsense, <laughs> for diving into this weird old uh, Bette Midler album. And this has been, it's been such a fun um, last five, six months doing this podcast. We're having such a great time and we're so <laughs> thankful for, yeah, I'm acting like we're Wait, going somewhere. Also the love like five, six months, like, and, and so now we're just, we're just celebrating our six month anniversary, which. Are we? Are yeah, we? we, no, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Well, we started this in, in October, so. Well, yeah, no one cares. It's in. <laughs> no one cares about anything. <laughs> no one cares about anything. No one's listening to this anymore. No, but thank you everyone for like listening and downloading and engaging with the podcast. And I know we haven't said this in a while, but like, send us in your stories. Tell us about you and your diva, and we promise to eventually read them on the air and do stuff like that. And or like you know me, you you know me from <laughs> from the previous eighteen episodes. From the previous eighteen episodes, I love seasonal things. Like I really, I've I've said this multiple times on this iconic episode that. I connect this to summer, and like, mm. this is my summer jams. Like this brings me back. Like I can imagine, like y'all listening to this with like some Pinot Grigio. Yeah, we're giving this like to you a, for your summer, like a cheese platter. Uh huh. But what is your summer? I, I do think it's like fun. I think that's like really a fun thing to have, like that attachment and that kind of bonding. And I know we all have summer jams. So and the nineties are back. This is going to be taking you on your summer pool party. <laughs> yeah, and and tell us about what you, what were your summer pool party jams that you listened to. Yeah, I'm interested in that. Yeah, send them in. Send in your stories of uh, albums of the summer, or tweet them at us at uh, for the girls pod. You can uh, DM us on Instagram. You can send um, Jason nudes. Yes, please. And uh, tasteful nudes, though. Tasteful nudes. Tasteful 1995 nudes. <laughs> tasteful sepia toned. <laughs> <laughs> like nudes you would put on I don't even know how we sent nudes back then AOL Instant Messenger yeah, that's how you pr- I'm going to print them then. out we didn't really take nudes though you had to have a lot of equipment I didn't take nudes you had to have a lot of equipment to take nudes in I remember like looking up like naked men online and then printing it out <laughs> so you're going to print using that inkjet yeah wow, using yeah. that inkjet yeah. um, but also main thanks to uh, Bette Midler for making this amazing record and we know it wasn't 
your highest selling album, but we love it. Yeah, it's really, it really is a huge theme for our friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really the soundtrack of our of our adolescence. So okay, so there thanks, we go. Bet. Thanks, thanks Bat. We love you, Bat. Thank you, thank you, Battle Angels. We love you too. This is <laughs> we believe in you. This is fun. We believe in you. We Bye. believe in you. Bye. I don't believe in superstars and fancy food or foreign cars that Harlem does and motherhood have done my body any good. That Elvis is alive and well. That courtesy has gone to hell. That kindness is in short supply. That little kids should have to die, but I believe. I believe in dreamers I believe in miracles And I believe in you Well, I don't believe virginity Is as common as it used to be That left is wrong and right is right That black is black and white is white That the Beatles could be history The 60s just a memory That war will never go away That Johnny Carson's had his day But I believe in love I believe in angels I believe in mom and dad I know it's true